Good morning, Gateway. I'm happy to be here with you guys this morning. Welcome. Uh, as Eric told you, my name is Jamie Schwartz. I'm the Restore Pastor here at Gateway South. And I just want to say welcome. I know that some of you are probably thinking right now, what the heck is a Restore Pastor? And actually, a lot of people ask that question. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing. But I'll try to fill you in a little bit. So Restore is an action word. And we, when you think about restoration, it's returning something to its original intended state. And so at Gateway, our Restore ministry is focused on creating opportunities where people can come and find healing, where they can find help, where people can actually experience transformation. And of course, we love to support people in walking in hope. And that's actually then not a surprise that we're going to talk about hope today here in this message. But before I get to that, I want to welcome and say a special happy Mother's Day to all the mamas in the room. I'm so glad that you're with us this morning. I hope that you guys have a wonderful day and really enjoy this message. But this message is for all of us. And if you have noticed, we get the special treatment this morning. They don't bring this up for Eric on regular Sundays, but they bring it up for us. And so I want to actually uh, welcome a special guest with us today, my lovely daughter, Caitlin. So if you guys will just welcome her up here. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hello. This is Caitlin. Let's go ahead and sit down. Okay, let's do it. Uh, since they set this up so nicely. Uh, how are you this morning, Caitlin? You know, I'm good. I feel like I kind of just walked on to a talk show, like we're on Ellen and we should have all danced together, but whatever, <laughs> next time. Uh, <laughs> I'm also a little sweaty. <laughs> I'm a nervous sweater, so just going to put that out there. If you're hugging me after service, just know I might stink a little bit. Um, but other than that, I'm doing really great, and I'm really excited to be here with you and with all of you. <laughs> She's the dorky, funny member of our family. <laughs> but here's the good news. Nobody can smell you, so you're okay. <laughs> and then you're all in the clear, guys. <laughs> Well, hey, I already started telling them that we're going to talk about hope today. So why don't you tell them a little bit more about what this is going to look like? Yeah, so um, as we approach this topic of hope, I know that I, I can empathize that if I walk into a Mother's Day service and I see a mother and a daughter on stage in really cute chairs and the mom says, we're going to talk about hope, um, you can kind of probably get this image in your head that you're going to get one of those like, you can do anything if you put your mind to it, pep talks. And I just want to give you guys like a warning. I don't know if you've ever met my mom, but she was never one of those kind of pep talkers. Um, I would like to call her maybe more of like a, like a throat punch of truth kind of pep talker. Um, so all of that to say that you can expect this to be really authentic and, and real and maybe even get a little bit messy, so buckle up. Uh, some of that was true. <laughs> some of that not so true. I like to say that I'm authentic, but I don't know about punching people in the throat with truth. <laughs> all that to be said, yes, it's going to be different. You guys can kind of get a feel. We're gonna, this message is going to be more like a conversation um, as we share it with you today but it is going to be authentic. So yes. do you want to, do you remember when we started talking about this and doing this message, why we landed on hope and what was the reasoning behind that? Yeah, so we were sitting in our living room and had just heard that we were going to get this really cool opportunity to be here with all of y'all on Mother's Day and, and give a message. And we were just kind of talking through where we think, thought the world was at, what we were seeing, um, what we were experiencing, what people around us were experiencing. And these themes of, discouragement and disappointment kept coming up. 
And I know that a lot of people that we love were feeling that. We were feeling that in certain ways. And so we prayed and kind of asked God, okay, what do, you, what do you want people to hear? What do we need to hear? And we felt like his response was hope. Yeah. I know uh, for me, as we were talking through that, one of the things I was reflecting on and becoming really aware of was we do have um, quite a few people around us going through really hard times um, and dealing with a lot. Mm -hmm. But also personally, I know uh, I've been dealing with just some discouragement. And in the midst of that, I actually, um, I think the best way to describe it is it's been feeling very heavy. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a season where it just starts to feel, things feel really heavy, like weights being kind of put down on you. Um, I've been just feeling really weighted down. Um, and every time something would happen, a new thing, a stressful situation, disappointing situation um, would happen, I just felt more and more weighted down. And so I definitely feel like um, this is a, it's been kind of a hard season. Would you mind, um, if you don't mind, would you share with everybody maybe one of those situations that has been weighing you down? Yeah. Um, well, there's, there's several, but one that is particularly personal is there is um, someone who I love very much who has been struggling with uh, their addiction to alcohol. And over the last, three, over the last year, uh, this person has detoxed three different times. And I think that every time they would go through, and I'm probably going to get emotional, there's Kleenexes up here, Um, every time they would go through detox, I was really hopeful that this would be the time that it would be different. And then every time they went through it, they had the option to go into rehab afterwards and unfortunately chose to not go into that rehab, uh, but instead to go back home and just try to deal with their sobriety on their own. And if you are an addict or if you uh, know an addict, you know that you cannot walk in sobriety by yourself. And so it's just been very difficult. Mm -hmm. And I have definitely felt discouraged in that area I also think that just it's hard to watch how that not only impacts them and how it changes them, but also how it affects the people around them. And um, I would not say that I've just completely gone into full hopelessness, but I would definitely say that hopelessness has crept in. Well, I'm really sorry. Um, Just on on all um, places of that situation, that sounds really hard for everyone um, involved and... And I think that I can relate in some ways to that in different ways. And I'm sure that everybody here um, can relate in some way to that feeling of hopelessness creeping in. Thank you, Kayla. So what about you? Is there something that has been discouraging or areas you've been struggling with hopelessness? Yes. (laughs) So I think the real question is kind of, when is there not a circumstance that that's happening? Um, I think what comes to mind is just um, a little while ago I was in this season where I was just feeling really confused about my sense of identity and purpose and um, you know I'd gone through this season that I wasn't proud of and so I, I knew where I'd come from and I also knew the person that I was created to be and I was somewhere in the middle, and I felt like I get, like, kept getting caught up and getting pulled into the, the past instead of really knowing how to push forward into the future. And I would get really upset with myself 
um, really mad at myself because I wanted to have hope, but when I actually tried to you know, put my, my feet down to the pavement and have hope, I had no idea practically what that looked like. Yeah, I think that's a good question because um, when we think about hope and our culture, most of the time, I believe what we're thinking about is more what I would consider wishful thinking, kind of like, I hope that happens, but really, I don't know if it will or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like this uncertain kind of hope. Like when I was walking on stage, I was like, I hope I don't fall (laughs) because I'm wearing heels and I never wear heels. Um, But yeah, it's uncertain rather than certainty. And so when I was in that season, and I think I bumped up to this more times in life of just like, you know, when I read the Bible, uh, the hope that people are experiencing and that doesn't seem uncertain. So it did get me thinking as we were preparing for this, like there has to be another kind of hope or something more to hope than what I was experiencing. Yeah. And I think um, when we think about just as human beings, one of our greatest needs is security. And a lot of what we do in our day-to-day life is, is in a way trying to attain a certain level of security and stability. And so to think about something like that, that's more of like a wishful thinking, um, it doesn't really provide us with the security that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. And I also just think that going back to what I shared earlier about the pressure, I believe that because of what we're looking for kind of more into this uncertain wishful thinking, for me, the tendency then is to become anxious and to feel this pressure like, I have to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it's up to me somehow to take this thing that I'm hoping in and make it happen. And even just thinking about the situation I shared, you know, this pressure of feeling like I have to somehow do something. Like, it's up to me to do something to help rescue my loved one from their addiction or to rescue the people around them from the effects of that addiction. And so I definitely can just feel this, again, this weight of... It's up to me. Like, I have to be in control. Does that make sense? Yeah, it reminds me uh, of this story in the Bible about Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. And um, God promises them that he's going to give them descendants that outnumber the stars. And they're like, cool, cool, yeah, God, great. But we don't even have one um, descendant child. Uh, And that was, you know, okay for a minute. And then they realized, like, oh, we're for real old. Like, uh, for real. Like, people in the Old Testament got old. And they were like, oh, my gosh. And I think Sarah started to feel exactly that anxious pressure that you were talking about of, you know, I know that God has promised this thing. But at the same time, like, is there more that I need to be doing? And kind of feeling this anxious pressure, like, I need to make this happen now. Yeah. I I relate with Sarah. And I can definitely uh, identify with what she might have been feeling when she was going through that. Um, But I am going to guess that all of us in here can identify with that in some way. That as you guys walked in this morning, there may even be a situation happening right now that's at the forefront of your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe some sort of situation where you're experiencing loss or grief Um, maybe a situation where there's a lot of uncertainty in your current circumstances or you're just dealing with some serious disappointment and hurt. And so it kind of leads us back to this question of what do we do about that? And, um, you know, how do we 
how do we deal with that? And I think that is what you and I really had to look at in our own circumstances. Yeah, and what we found was this tension that we had with this hope, um, with uncertain hope, because is it bad to be positive, to have a positive outlook on things, to wish for the best in things? No, not at all. Like, that's a good thing. It's good to have positivity. It's good to want the best for yourself and for others and for circumstances. But what I realized, what we realized was that there are just sometimes those can't see the way out of this kind of moments where that hope is just not enough. It's not bad. It's just not enough. And I realized it kind of clicked for me in all of these circumstances in my life where I, like back to that season that I was in, I had been experiencing this, this pull between who I was and who I was created to be. And I'd made really bad decisions. I'd been in a dysfunctional relationship in college and, and in drinking and drugs and just making dangerous decisions. And I hit my rock bottom real quick. Um, and coming out of that, I just fell so in love with God and with his promises and with his truth. But at the same time, I had no idea how to, to move on. And sometimes I felt like I couldn't. And so I would try this like, okay, today's a new day, like positivity, that, that hope that we're talking about. And I just hit a point where I was like, this isn't enough. Something's not working. Something's got to change. And I didn't know what to do. I felt like I had no control. Yeah. It sounded like you were needing something that was like deeper or stronger or a, a more like steadfast, confident uh, source of hope. Yeah. In the 12 steps, in step one, we have to admit that we're powerless before we'll actually, in step two, be willing to look to a power greater than ourselves for restoration. And so what you're talking about kind of reminds me of that because it's basically we have to be able to identify this wishful thinking um, isn't necessarily bad, but it is limited mm -hmm. in terms of what it can do for us. It has limitations. And so it, we have to recognize that, I guess, if we're actually going to look for a source of hope that is something that is something we can be confident in, is something that is unchanging or steadfast. Yeah, and when you think about a source that's unchanging, for me at least, the only thing that I can really think of is God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I actually, when we were preparing for this, I started combing through the Bible. Just like, okay, let's look for verses about God's nature and his attributes, his characteristics. And it was so interesting because there's a lot in the Bible actually about God's nature and his characteristics. And so as I started compiling these verses, I was like, okay, there's no way I'm going to be able to share all these. So I will narrow it down for the sake of all of you lovely people. Um, and so I did, I picked three verses out, but basically as I read these verses, it's just giving us a window into part of what the Bible communicates to us about who God is. The first verse I picked was from James 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 17, and it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And it just communicates to us that God is unchanging that his nature doesn't change, that he's the same. And that actually leads me into our next verse, which is from Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight. And that says, very just simply, <laughs> Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, 
today and forever. And the last one that I picked was from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. It says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. And I feel like that just communicates to us that, yes, around us, seasons come and seasons go and things change. But as those seasons change, those seasons change, God never does. He's unchanging. I think it just really highlights that if we are putting our hope in God, we're putting our hope in something that's unchanging and that's something that we can be confident in. Yeah. I think that that hope was really first born in me when I was actually a hard season when I was 19. Um, and I found out I was pregnant with this lovely little lady right over here. I was not married. Um, and I had made a, I was young, but I had really quickly made a mess of things. And I'd made uh, some pretty significantly bad choices to the point that I was living in a space where I would have said that I was a Christian. My parents raised me as a Christian, but I think at that point I wasn't following Jesus. And I don't really think I even fully knew what it meant to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that space, I had, and I was aware that I had messed things up. And I had this sense that I had messed it up so bad that God wouldn't or couldn't forgive me. And so when I had you, um, people had said things, and I'd heard people say, uh, when you have a baby, you're going to love that baby so much. But I really had no idea what that meant until I had you. And then it just, it did, it rocked my world because all of a sudden, I had been in my mess, but now I'm bringing a baby into my mess. And this little baby, I'm like, I don't want you to... um, end up the same way. I don't want you to end up in that mess. And I did start to feel really hopeless. And at night, I would put you to bed and you were always so cute when you were sleeping. You were just adorable. (laughs) And I would put her to bed and I would just look at her and I would just start, I would just start crying because I just didn't know how I was going to not bring you into that same mess. And um, God is so good, because around that same time, I was working in a salon, and I had this one coworker, some of you might have a coworker, might even be here with that coworker, <laughs> who is, was always inviting me to church, and I was just like, oh, leave me alone, I like to sleep <laughs> on Sunday mornings, but eventually, she was nagging me enough to where I was like, okay, what do I have to lose? Like, I'm a mess. My life's a mess. What's going to happen? So I went and I really enjoyed it and I kept going. And one day I had this lady talking to me about her like initial encounter with Jesus. And I was really listening attentively. And I, she shared a verse and I'd heard this verse a lot. And I, you probably will have too. But I think there was something very different and significant happening because I was actually listening In that moment, I think where I'd heard it before, I don't think I'd been paying attention. I don't think I'd really been willing or open. But in this moment, I think I was really listening. And she shared from John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And in that moment, I realized something that I had never realized before. I think that 
I had had this perception that God was waiting for me to get out of my mess, to get cleaned up, to come to him. But what I realized is that wasn't true. That it actually God knew that it was impossible for me to do that. It was impossible for me to clean myself up to come to him. And I didn't need to because he had come for me. And Jesus had died for me. And because I couldn't clean myself up, I couldn't get myself out of that. He came for me and he did that for me. And what I realized is that in that moment, I could be forgiven. And that I could be made right with God. And that my relationship with him could be restored. And then, of course, the possibilities. What about us? Mm -hmm. Our life could look different. If I could be different because of him, then I could be a different mom to you because of him. And that it didn't have to be the way that it had been. And I did. I felt this hope birth in me in that moment for our future and for what God could do through Jesus in our life. And it was a very big turning point for me. Well, thank you for sharing that. I love that story. Not just because it has to do with me, um, but... um, I think what I really love about that, uh, I love being your daughter and getting to watch how, you know, growing up with a mom who is always growing and who, you know, there were times when it annoyed the poop out of me that this lady talked about Jesus all the time. But, um, but you were holding on to something that was so much bigger than I could have comprehended at the time. And I love how that got you through to a future that you couldn't have predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminds me of this Bible verse uh, in Romans 10, 17, that says, faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ Jesus. Um, so like in your story, this implies that, you know, you hear the word of God and you hear what Jesus has done for you and, and, and the promises that were fulfilled in him and his life. And that leads you to have faith in him because what he did, it applied to you, it applies to me, it applies to all of us. And that faith then leads to a confident hope in something greater because you have faith in Jesus. Um, And so hope is that kind of faith that focuses on the future. And when you direct that faith to the future, you get to call it hope. And you're kind of just acknowledging, you know, what Jesus did counts for me and his promises count for me. Yeah. I think we should unpack that a little bit more because basically what you're saying is, um, that hope is a part of faith. So if, like, if faith is the umbrella, hope is a part, it's under that umbrella. But the, the truth is, is that faith is the bigger thing. Mm-hmm. It can actually apply to the past. We can have faith in things of the past and things of the present as well as things of the future. But when we talk about uh, the things of the future, we're really kind of referencing that, that faith at work as hope. Yeah. And I think so if we have faith in God and if we have faith in God's word, then when we look to the promises that God has given us for our future, then hope is really trusting in and putting our faith in those promises. Yeah, so then a God-centered hope would be hoping and and having faith in God's promises because God has said them, Mm -hmm. and that's enough, Mm -hmm. um, because he is unchanging. Mm -hmm. And what that reminds me of is, uh, in the Old Testament, God... um, you know, his, his chosen people were, they were kind of a mess, like, like you had said you were. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they kept being enslaved to different kings and different lands and just going, they had a really hard run of it. And they had wanted to live the life that God had called them to live because they knew that that was the, the way to live the best life possible. Um, but there were some things that were out of their control that made it really hard, like being enslaved and, and other kings and other people demanding things of them and even internal things, you know, like, okay, yeah, I want to do these things that God has called me to, but also I want to do X, Y, and Z, and those things don't really line up, so whatever. Um, and they were really struggling through that tension. And God had promised them so many times, I'm going to bring you a true savior, a true king. And he did. He brought Jesus. And when Jesus came, he was fulfilling promises that God had made. I love to look back through the Old Testament. And like, if you just Google like Old Testament promises of Jesus, like so many will come up because so many times in the Old Testament, God is making promises to his people that point to Jesus and Jesus came. Mm -hmm. And those promises were fulfilled. And so because he's already come, we're able to put our faith in him. We get to choose to be in relationship with him and through that experience hope. But once we do that, you know, once we put our faith in the future because, or in, in Jesus, because that was the future that they were looking forward to, what is the future that we now get to look forward to? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite books of the Bible is the last book of the Bible, which is Revelation. <laughs> and when, yes, yeah, she laughs. When I say that, everybody kind of thinks that's strange and weird because if you spent much time in Revelation, it is a very weird book. Um, and there's a lot of weird <laughs> stuff in there. And, but I think for, it hasn't always been that way for a long time. I actually avoided that book uh, because I didn't understand it. It's future to us. So the things in that particular book have yet to happen. So we're looking to them. But also there's a lot of imagery and symbolism in there that is hard to understand if you just pick it up and start reading through it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So for me, what really helped was I got the opportunity to study Revelation in an in-depth way through this one Bible study. And as our Bible study teacher was setting up the year, she told us this story that I felt was very helpful. So she was um, sharing about how she grew up on the East Coast and love basketball. I guess people from the East Coast are huge basketball fans. Um, and so she loved basketball and she had a specific team that she followed and watched all of their games and was a very avid fan. Well, one week there was a really important game coming up. She had a class that she had to teach that was actually scheduled during that time. So she had to record it, pre-record it on her TV. She had kind of taken all the preparations as you do if you wanna watch a game later and don't want anyone to spoil it for you but the world doesn't always know you've done that. And so uh, unfortunately, you guys see where this is going. Somebody did spoil it and told mm -hmm. her the end of the game without her uh, really wanting to know it. But the good news is she found out her team won. So she was excited about that. But still, she's gonna go home and watch the game because she loves the game and she wants to watch it. So she did. And interestingly enough, what she hadn't realized and hadn't been told to her is that her team was gonna fall way behind and really get down in the game. To the point that kind of midway through the game, she's watching this and she finds herself super stressed. And like, I, there's no way they can come back. Like there's no way they're gonna win this game and starts to really kind of freak out. And then she remembers like, hello, you know the end. Like you know <laughs> they're gonna win. And in that moment, when she reminded herself of that, her perspective changed because she was able to finish that game in a completely different way 
remembering that she knew what was going to happen. So now this really low moment got turned into like, this is going to be the greatest comeback of all time (laughs) because they're going to come back from being down so much. And it was so helpful because she was sharing that with us at the beginning of the study to give us perspective on why would God give us revelation? Why did he give us that book? And the reality is, is that when, uh, what we look at is Jesus knew that his followers were going to have trouble in this world. He knew that it wasn't going to be easy to follow him. He knew that we were going to come up against difficult situations and hard things. And he tells us, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And in Revelation, we actually get to see the fulfillment of that. That evil is done away with once and for all. That suffering and pain and all of that is done away with once and for all. And that we also get to see that God's plan is that all things will be restored, that all things would be made new. And I have to take this opportunity to share this with you guys because it's one of just my favorite places in the Bible. Those last two chapters in Revelation give us a picture of what that looks like. Let me just share this with you, Revelation 21, one through seven. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. The sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. And as followers of Jesus, this is God's promise to us. This is the future that he has for us. And when we look to this, we can see that Jesus not only came, to rescue us from our past and restore us in our present, but he also is making all things right and all things new in our future. Yeah, I love that so much, that everything that has been destroyed and that has been broken, everything that we feel that has been destroyed and has been broken, God is fully bent on making it new and restoring it. Um, So I guess the question that that leads me to is, how is this applicable for our lives today? Yeah, yeah. Let's get realistic here. What does this look like? (laughs) How do we do this? It's inspiring. And yet we actually have to work at it. When I was uh, preparing for this, I went to the Psalms. Because if you guys haven't spent much time there, man, you get a window into real life and the wrestling that the people who wrote these Psalms had to go through. Like King David was one of them. Totally imperfect human being. Had a lot of ups and downs. Wrestled a lot. And what I saw is that There is this wrestling match that happens that hope, as much as we would love for hope in God to come naturally to us, it actually doesn't. It's something that is hard, that has to be done with intentionality and diligence, that we can't just decide one day we're going to hope in God, but we actually have to fan those flames. And what I saw was in Psalm 42, verse 5, it said, 
Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior, my God. And what you see is this person is actually reminding themselves, like having an internal conversation of reminding themselves who God is and what that means for them. And I think for us, we can easily slide into anxiety, into fear and all sorts of stress. And in order to actually be people who walk in hope, we have to not only choose to trust in God's promises, but we actually have to remind ourselves of them daily, be renewing our mind and being diligent about that. Otherwise, it's like that we quickly get pulled back into that stressful way of thinking and living. So it's like we have to be diligent to daily, be meeting God in his word, remembering who he is, renewing our mind that way, but also remembering what that means for us. Yeah, and I think that's so important because I think it's super easy to slip back into that and to mm-hmm. kind of put hope on the back burner. But then, you know, you get a month, a year, however many years down the road and you realize like, oh, I've actually done myself a huge disservice mm-hmm. um, and I'm hurting. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot at stake here because the reality is, is that whenever I get into a place of severe anxiety or stress, I tend to self-focus. And when I'm self-focusing, what I'm not doing is actually um, able to really focus on God and loving God and loving others. And so it's really hard in that space to do what God's created me to do. And I think that if, I, if we really stop and imagine what if we weren't so distracted by self? What if we weren't so self-focused? What if we were trusting in God and as we did, we could actually focus on others? What would our world look like if we were actually focusing on loving God and loving others? I think that there is a lot that would be possible for us when we're not distracted in that way. Yeah, I think that things would look so different um, in my life. And I just think of our world as a whole. Um, And I think about Jesus and the life that he lived. Uh, I think he lived that out perfectly of living a life completely God-focused, completely others-focused, and such a lack of self. Uh, Jesus did not have it easy. Like, people hated him. Um, Like, constantly just horrible things were being said to him, and people were trying to undermine him, and and, and people were trying to disprove him and to pick apart everything he said. Um, Like, he didn't have it easy. And yet, still in that he lived a life that completely honored God, a life that completely honored every single person around him, that his life was under so much scrutiny, scrutiny, (laughs) scrutiny. Um, his life was under so much scrutiny and, and judgment and he made it through it all. And he withstood that judgment because he was perfect. And, and I love this. Uh, we have a quote by this author and he says, um, the most important verse in the Bible for me, probably, is Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He says, now this last part is hope producing, but it's grounded in the rock solid statement that God did not spare his own son. So the essence of what we look to in the Bible to build our hope is this. What has Christ done for me in my sinful condition that enables me to know that I will not come into judgment and condemnation and that all things are working together for my good? 
And the answer is that Christ died for me, rose again for me, and therefore all the promises of God are yes in Him. So let's look away from the circumstances that confront us and look to Christ, look to those promises and hold fast to them because hope comes from the promises of God rooted in that work of Christ. And I love that quote um, and it inspires me, but let's be honest. It doesn't take that much to slip out of inspiration, to slip out of that inspiration that we just received. When we look up at the world around us, a world where our norm is self-centeredness and criticism and picking ourselves apart, picking others apart, it's easy, it's really easy to slip into hopelessness. And if we're really honest, I think most of us, myself included, are just grabbing at things, trying to find something to help us cope with that hopelessness. So it makes sense that hope would require intentionality and focus, which can sometimes feel like swimming upstream in a really strong current. And I know that a lot of times it can feel like that current is actually working against you. Like things, like life, like people, like your circumstances are working against you. And that's really hard. And so it makes sense that when we think about living this way that that God has intended us to live, that we can't do it on our own. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. Which makes it such good news that God made it so that we don't have to do it alone. That through Jesus, God transforms us to be people of confident hope in Him. And as we walk daily with Him, we don't have to face our circumstances alone. In Him, our hope is renewed. And daily when we turn to Him, He strengthens us and He empowers us to overcome in all circumstances, in every single circumstance. Following Jesus down the path of hope isn't always easy, but it's really, really good. And it's really worth it. Yeah. The band's going to come up here and uh, sing another song for us. But before they do, can I just pray with us? God, we do want to thank you so much. As I was sitting here listening to Caitlin, I couldn't help but just think of all of the people who have gone before us, followers of Jesus who walk this walk of hope, people who had to persevere through really difficult hardship and circumstances in order to continue to share the good news about your life and what you've done for us. And so I thank you for their perseverance. I thank you for empowering them to overcome. And I ask you, Lord, to do that for us. That you would help us to be people who are walking in hope in you, trusting you, depending on you, looking to you. That every day you would be reminding us that you're not going anywhere. That you won't leave us, that you won't forsake us, and that you have a plan. And that that plan is for our complete restoration and renewal. So that when we walk, we can walk into a room and be people who bring hope into that room because you are with us. Because you're reminding us daily, God, that you say that we're your children, that you love us, that you'll never leave us, that you'll never forsake us, and that you have created for us a future, a future that we can hope in confidently right now, where everything is made right where evil is done away with and where we and all things are made new.
thank you for that promise and for the hope that you have given us here today. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.